Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This Sunday, we discover what the story of Jesus as a child being left in the temple to teach the religious teachers means to our own life. We're talking about uh, legacy today. Boy, that's a loud mic. Teaching your children, thank you, and your parents, it goes both ways. Uh, pray with me. Thank you, God, for this morning, for uh, putting me in this position to be pastor, shepherd to these wonderful people during this season. Thank you for your word. Amen. I'm thinking about a discipleship of lifelong learning or becoming. January is a good time when I hope you maybe said, I want to read this many books this year, or I want to be more intentional about learning something about uh, Scripture, whatever it is. It's a good time to think about what we're gaining in. But I'm wondering today also if what we pass on is almost a competency, an ability, as well as a specific uh, subject. Thank you folks who uh, were part of our pastor nominating committee uh, Zoom call this last week. We had a good turnout, but... 30 cameras, so maybe 35 people on there uh, on our Zoom with our nine PNC members and myself and Jordan. Wonderful stuff. Uh, We've been talking about 12 questions. This is a format that we get from the Presbyterian Church that we found a little frustrating, a little outdated post-COVID, but also very helpful in guiding our conversations about future leadership, but also about who is New Hope. Who have we been in the past? What challenges do we face today? What hopes do we have unactualized yet? Where do we hope to be going? The next step of what uh, the PNC is actually doing is called leadership competencies. And there's like 35 of these listed uh, in this ministry information forum. This is our next big step for the PNC. They only get to choose 10. You only get to choose one out of three. It helps you focus. I mean, we would... Find someone to have all of these, don't we wish? You don't get that option. You only get to have a few. One of these is, of course, you'd want someone who's compassionate, who's good at preaching and worship leadership, but I've been intrigued by this today, talking about teaching our children. Uh, We might want a lifelong learner. I like to think of myself as a lifelong learner, bringing up whatever I'm reading or watching, uh, a teacher, all these things. You only get to choose some You only get to choose one out of three. How about communication? We have a lot of fun talking about uh, communication and public and media and this. Uh, How technologically savvy do you think our head of staff should be? Or is it enough to just have Jordan Warnches' number on your phone? If you you know where Jordan's office is down the hall, maybe that's enough and we can save one of our votes uh, for something else. Uh, Commercial, first commercial. Jordan just mentioned this. Go on our website under media, pull down to podcasts, a new podcast, What We're Afraid to Say from the Pulpit. You'll find a lot of humor and warmth of two people you know pretty well, I suppose, uh, talking about things you've never heard before. And in addition, find Vimeo. Not video. Vimeo is where we collect our videos. And for the last few months, I've been collecting Pastor Don on the trail five or seven minute videos of me hiking around reflecting on the new hope process Um, i encourage you to seek those out uh, to keep your own sense of uh, 
media and technological savvy because communication happens that way. It's not all one way. Find me someone who says our communication doesn't work. I'll show you someone who's not taking accountability for their own rule law, their own job of keeping up with what's going on at New Hope. Um, there's easy and fun ways to do it. Organizational leadership. Boy, you're thinking of competencies. Do you want someone who's a risk taker? Some, that inspires some of us, might make some of you nervous. Culturally entrepreneurial, uh, contextualization, now interesting, ability to see first carefully, accurately where you are, the context of what you're leading. And then this, under interpersonal engagement in these competencies, in these 35 competencies, is uh, self-differentiation. Your PNC was not familiar with this term. All of our candidates will be very familiar with this term. Uh, here's, here's what it means. I'm going to come out here so I can read it a little better. It's an interesting way to think. Demonstrate strong and appropriate personal boundaries. All right. In relationships, has a healthy appreciation of self without being egotistical. It's one thing to say, I know who I am, how great I am, I'm a leader. How obnoxious is emotionally rather mature, can maintain a less anxious presence. There's a key phrase from the last 30 years in institutional leadership and ministry, a non-anxious presence. In the midst of turmoil is not overly dependent on outside affirmation but works to build strong personal support systems. Self-differentiation is a really important term for pastors, for healthy leadership and a system that will always vote for stasis, the same stability. How do you lead? There's one story in the Bible that teaches this best. It's this morning's text, Boy, Jesus in the temple. It's going to feel like Jesus is being rude here. Often when we have good boundaries, people experience us as, as rude, as heartless. And know they love you. That's what you got to keep in mind with the whole story. Um, but I think differentiation might be one of the best legacies you and I can leave our families. This is foreign to some of you, old hat to some of you. I know that. Here's the story you just heard. It's Passover and it's crowded and it takes a couple days, three days. I don't know how long it takes to get Jerusalem depending. I was thinking this week. Certainly you can't afford to only cover five miles a day even with kids. Is it 10 miles? I'd be surprised if it's 15 miles. That's a pretty rough day. So if they've been on the road for two or three days longer, staying in barns in little towns along the way to Jerusalem before they get there for the big festival in the temple, that's the greatest building anyone has ever seen, and they can't find Jesus on the way home. By the way, this story is only told in Luke, not Matthew, Mark, or John. The only time you find this in the Bible is in the Gospel of Luke. There's a real good reason for that. I wanted to spend today just a few minutes talking about it. I know we're getting a little late because this gap between infancy, we've been in the Christmas story. Next week is baptism. We're going to have a renewal of baptismal vows right here. You're going to get a little wet next week, just a little. If you've ever thought, boy, I wish I hadn't been baptized uh, as a kid because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have a choice. Tomorrow's your chance. Next week's your chance. Come, we'll renew those vows. Um, and the story of Jesus we're picking up just right now, this adolescent strange story there's no adolescence of course in Jesus time you're 12 you're 11 you're 13 you're a young woman you start menstruating now you're a woman and at 12 we take the boys and say now you're a man 
all right? That's up until 100 years ago, two years ago, 200 years ago. This strange story, by the way, I love this picture of Jesus. This is uh, Jesus, a little put out here. He's about the right height. So Mary is what, 25 years old? What did I know about parenting at 25? It's not easy. If she got pregnant at 13 or 15, maybe she's 30. Um, they can't find Jesus. They go looking for him. They can't find him anywhere. They go back along the trail. They meet other families. Have you seen, was Jesus with your kid, Jacob? No, we haven't seen him because they were back. They stayed with so-and-so last night, wherever it was along the village. They go back. How many miles did they have to walk back before coming to, I like to think of this, failing to find him and finally uh, talking to probably some 12-year-old, 14-year-old girls who said No. Uh, he and Abraham were together. Abraham left his cloak. Out. They had to go back all the way to Jerusalem. They go find him, wander around. Finally find him in the temple. This is the one story I think that might have been whispered because I recognize mom's voice. We have been looking everywhere for you. <laughs> this is the voice I heard Norm and me are screwing around actually in temple, come to think of it. And she's leaning back over the pew. I'm clueless because we've been carrying on. I'm not paying attention because I'm the younger one. And then mom's in our face. Your father and I, we are worried. I hope that Jesus had the wherewithal. We don't have it in the text. Sorry, Mom, I'm so sorry for scaring you. Rather than, don't you know? How did this even work? So I see, I had to be about my father's business. Beautiful. She's asking in her face here. She's relieved at finding him, but is she replaying what did he mean by father? This is Jesus' moment. Jesus put out, I'm being treated like a kid when there's something else uh, going on. Commercial two. Um, next two weeks here, 1045 to 11:30. I want to talk about Jesus' self-awareness. It's a weird title, When Jesus Became God. Don, what are you talking about? Don't you know about the Trinity? Uh, I want to take uh, and teach you some things that have been conventional wisdom for 50 or 100 years that you've never heard before that'll scandalize you that are right from the Bible. The result will be that all of your deepest doubts and weird thoughts, you'll go, oh, oh, the Bible says that too. It's a class on Christology. I hope to do it in two weeks. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun and creative. It's gonna be reassuring for you in deep ways, whatever thoughts you've had. Who is this? How did the Nazarene, how did this boy uh, come to something else? Why age 12? I heard it again this morning as uh, Trace was reading. 12 is a loaded number in Scripture. Um, do we take this historically? question is, what did Jesus know? When did he know it? He's coming to grips with who he is. Raise your hand if you came to know faith when you were 12 or 14 or 15 or 17 as a teenager. For so many of us, the teenage years are when we Come to faith. We come to see what's God doing in our lives. It's a challenging time. Uh, will I keep on reiterating what my parents have taught me? This is the question this morning. This is the legacy of self-differentiation. Will I keep on parroting what mom and dad have said? Will I reject it entirely and say forget it? Will I embrace something new like an adult? That is an open question for the vast majority of us. It's a challenge. We come to know faith, come to know what Jesus as Savior, Jesus as friend, often in our adolescent years. And you know what? 
thinking of my therapists here today. Um, some therapists call Jesus a transitional object. I love this. Uh, go back to the first adolescence. Kid is two or three, stranger danger, clinginess to mom, won't even go to dad sometimes. It's new, they're feeling connected as a, as a one-year-old and suddenly something changes developmentally and what do you do? You make sure that teddy bear goes everywhere. It's called a transitional object. Helps us go from the womb, infancy, to being a toddler. Some have suggested that the reason so many of us come to faith in our teenage years is Jesus acts as transitional object between being mere child parroting and the courage to be on our own. How do we leave mom and dad for our identity? How do we learn to cling to peers? That's what teenage is about. We get to know Jesus. We get to know love and affirmation in a way that's outside the family. It keeps on going. It's a question of authority, what we're passing on. A little side note before we finish. Um, Luke, as a book, is two books. Luke acts together. They're separated because they put the Gospels first, and so John is in the middle because it's the story of Jesus. But Matthew and Mark, Matthew because it's closest to Old Testament ideas, they split Luke, acts in two because John is, of course, the story of Jesus, and Acts goes on to tell post-Jesus stories, all right? So here's your bookshelf. I want to remind you, Luke is the only gospel that starts in the temple. John starts poetically, uh, Matthew with uh, genealogies. Mark just starts at the river. Um, Luke starts in the temple. Elders saying, a new one is coming. This is part of the tradition. We have anticipated this. Here's where we go. Luke is the only gospel to tell today's story, which is all about the temple. Luke is the only gospel where we have Jesus talking about the temple, always in an ironic way. Um, I'm going to tear this temple down and rebuild it in three days. You have heard, here's the definition of self-differentiation. You have heard it said that, but I tell you, both connected and separate. Um, what happens when Jesus turns the tables over in the temple? Jesus isn't against prayer. He has nothing against doves. He's calling into question the entire function of the temple is what this Luke-Acts book is about. And they kill him for it. No one killed Jesus for saying, God loves you, you're forgiven. No one killed Jesus... They killed him because he was upsetting the role of the temple and the state said, that's too tacky, that's too much. He turned the tables over and said, we don't need this anymore. It didn't go over with religious authorities or the state. The only gospel to end, even post-resurrection, believe it or not, go look in Luke is, and they were in the temple daily praising God. Oh, wow. Think of what the big story is for Luke Acts. It's a story of moving from Jerusalem temple to Rome. That's the story of Luke Acts. We know it can't just be a story about Jesus. That's only the first half. It's a story of authority. Jesus calling into authority for all of Luke, that temple locus. And later, it's a story of where does that tradition go? Um, 
Jesus in the temple, questioning, then overthrowing. By the way, the conspicuous thing about the end of Acts is we know historically Paul dies in prison. That's just true. It's just a fact. Um, Acts omits that. At the end, Paul is just preaching, being faithful, converting people. That's because the story of Luke Acts wants to explain Rome is the new head. Don't cast any aspersions on Rome. Rome is a new place since Jerusalem has been destroyed. That's the good news in Luke Acts. Friends, um, there's no hand-me-down faith, really. <laughs> there's no such thing. Uh, the biggest danger we have in Christianity is adolescent, non-differentiated faith, a parroting, an uncritical treatment of the tradition that makes us very susceptible to other authority. We fail to take authority for ourselves. We fail to do what <laughs> Jesus asks us to do. Um, it is a dangerous thing, our own authority. I know, here's a picture. I, I love the energy in the room right now. Why, why happier, Don? Um, this is the PNC. Sunday, I was at a meeting at the PNC. We were meeting, talking about 12 questions, talking about the church information form. And at some point in the conversation over here in the uh, Castle Rock room, um, I lost. At some point, uh, we were, I can't remember what it was, and one of the people of the committee around the table said, I guess, Don, uh, you're the odd man out on this. We were deciding which questions, I think, to bring to you on Zoom, this kind of thing. And someone said, yeah, I guess, um, I guess you're kind of overruled. And I thought, well, well, I wished I'd had a stack of paper. I could have slammed it down and said, well, I can tell I'm not needed, you know. Uh, but we're all on our phones. <laughs> there's, there's no paper. And instead, in case you're not getting this, uh, in this scenario, I'm Mary. The PNC is Jesus. And I realized, ah, I, that's my sign. That's, that's the door open. That's my, they're letting me know about growing up and not needing me. I could choose to be defensive and not a good choice. Um, I know some of you are thinking, Don, uh, with Katie Klosner as your chair, are you kidding? It's amazing you lasted as long as you did. Bravo. <laughs> this, this is so excited. Our PNC is so competent and in good shape. You know about how this works, letting go when you want to give a legacy of money to your kids and then you want to have strings attached and tell them how to do it and they don't learn how to do it, the authority themselves. Friends, in following Jesus, it's the same way. We have to teach relocating the authority. This is our lifelong project. Relocating from the temple or this pastor or that pastor or that book or this habit we're invited to an adult faith, and it is dangerous. Many lose it along the way, reject it along the way, yes. Better that than a faithless reiteration, right? Acting out of fear. Show me a, show me a cranky, this is unfair, but it's a little bit true. Show me a cranky old man, and I'll show you someone who failed to self-differentiate who ended up doing an entire career because that's what they thought their father wanted them to do. Or, this isn't as, as different as you think, or the other way, rebelled and did the exact opposite thing and only realized, I was reacting to this. 
I could never internalize who I was, what I want. Questioning, this is the story. Deconstructing is the language we use for it. Re-embracing in a new way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the challenge, the dangerous challenge. Jesus sets the example, hurting his mom's feelings, uh, becoming his own man, our own man, our own Christ in the process. May we continue on our own journeys, uh, dangerous and rewarding as they are. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.